Good morning, guys. My name's Luther, and you're not used to seeing me up here doing this, and there's a reason for that. Um, so, uh, but I'm on staff here at One Church. I am your one part-time staff guy. So what that means is I work part-time for free. Uh, when we first started One Church, we had two full-time guys and a handful of guys like me. Uh, and I'm just the last one left. We have been blessed for God to send some great guys this way who work full-time and take care of most of what needs to happen. So what I do at One Church is I help connect people um, to serving, um, to finding ways to live their faith outside the church. So that's kind of what I do here. That and I just kind of love on the guys that are full-time and bring some of my other experience in. So we are starting week two of Mixtape. Uh, Josh did a great job last week. Uh, and so this week, yes, he did. Um, and so this week, uh, we're going to be doing my song, which we'll get to in just a little bit, uh, that I think we can find some biblical truths in and how we can apply those to our lives. So um, I need somebody who can run up here real quick before you run. I need you to be able to sing one line from your favorite 80s song. Come on. Either side. I got a gift. Come on. Anything. Come on, guys. You don't have to sing it well. Come on. I have a quality gift here for you. Come on, KP. You can do it. Just give me a line to any 80s song. Stand up, at least. Loud. Be proud, dog. best they can. <laughs> you now have all, that's like a three CD set of all your favorite 80s songs. So you guys missed out on that. All you had to do was come sing badly like Kevin and you too could have had that. So guys, the whole reason we're doing this mixtape series is just a chance for some different guys up here like me. I will tell you that it has been 13 years since I've done this with grown-ups. Uh, I work a lot with students and I do some student ministry stuff. So what you can take out of that is that if I'm really, really bad, um, you won't have to hear it again for a while. Um, like once every 13 years, they'll let me up here. So if you're a guest, uh, I'll apologize on the front end if you don't enjoy it. But come back next week. Ryan, one of our regular communicators, will be up here. Um, and then the week after that, we're going to start a new series called Labels. Um, and we're going to have a guest speaker that first week named David Foster from Franklin. He's one of the guys who mentors and pours into Chris. And then that second week of August, we're going to get Chris back up here. And he's going to, after enjoying a long, well-deserved break, we're going to put Chris back to work. And you'll get back to hearing him. So if you think I do a great job today, what you need to know is my life story is God hitting straight with a crooked stick. Um, let that sink in. But that's really, that's what my whole life story has been. So if you enjoy it today, know that it was all God and not a lot of me, and we'll just have a good time. So, all right, guys? So we're going to uh, work through a passage of Scripture today uh, in, in John chapter 8, uh, the first 11 verses. And as we look at that today, I want us to kind of look at that at the, through two different lenses. Um, we've got the guys standing there with the rocks, which is going to be a lot of us in this room. It's going to be the Christians. Um, and they're standing there with the rocks, ready to do what they have the right to do. Um, and then we're going to look at this through the eyes of the lady laying there on the ground in front of Jesus, um, whose life for all intensive purposes is over. Um, and the only thing that's going to save her is the fact that Jesus is standing there next to her. Uh, and so as we go through this today, we're going to look at that from those two different perspectives. 
Um, so we're going to look at that. If you're here today and you're a Christian, uh, we're, we're going to kind of look at that for you, um, how that whole situation plays out. And if you're here today and you haven't started that relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about why that's such a big event for you uh, and why this takes a lot of the work out of this for you. So uh, if David will throw that up on the screen, let's work through that scripture. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming into him. He sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this is the woman who has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, I'm sorry, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to, the wom said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. The two different views we're going to look at here, guys. The guy's holding the rocks and the woman about to die. So if you're here this morning and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then in that crowd, you would most likely be the one standing there holding the rock. And, you would, and like I said, you'd had every right to do so. It was the law. Um, it was what they were supposed to do. Um, in the law, which were the rules that God gave to Moses so that the people of Israel kind of knew what to do. They knew right from wrong. They were the rules for God's chosen people. The law said that if someone was caught in adultery, you would bring the man and the woman before the, the, the crowd um, and that if there were two people to judge them and two people who saw it happen, so the witnesses, um, then they would stone them to death. Um, and one of the two witnesses would have the right to be the first one to cast a stone. And so in this case, we find that we only have a woman. And when Jesus says, let he, let he who has no sin, let him be the one to throw the first stone, he's saying, where are the witnesses? And so guys, we could spend a lot of time just right there on that section. And I think as Christians, that's what we do a lot. We want to parse the words. We want to, you know, break it apart and get into the details. And I think like we do in our personal lives, we miss the heart issue. And so this morning, I don't want to miss the heart issue here. The heart issue here was that Jesus had every right to go pick up a stone and be the first to throw it. Jesus had never sinned. Jesus, being God, had seen what the woman had done. So he had every right. Just like you and I in our everyday lives as we interact with our family, we interact with our friends, we interact with the people we work with, sometimes we have every right to judge what they're doing. Sometimes we have every right to say that's wrong and to call people out for what they're doing. But I think as Christians, we need to look and see how Jesus handled that situation. And even though Jesus had the right to have this woman stoned to death, he also had a choice. And in that choice, Jesus chose love. 
And Jesus chose grace. And grace is not getting what you deserve. We fall short on this sometimes as Christians, guys. Um, while we have the right sometimes to condemn people, we also have the ability, because Christ lives in us and we have his love, we also have the ability to show love and to show grace. Um, because as we see here, God said, go, sin no more. He dealt with her sin, but he dealt with her sin. He dealt with her symptoms after he dealt with her heart. So he dealt with the heart issue first. Um, there it goes. I think for a lot of us, a lot of times... Um, we have people around us, and it's just so much easier to deal with the actions they're doing, to deal with their poor choices, than it is to be real with them and deal with their heart. Um, if I was to say right now, there's a person in your life, there's somebody, a friend, a family member who doesn't know Jesus, and they're making horrible choices. They're following the lead of this woman, self-destructive behavior, um, it is so much easier to go up to them and point a finger and say, you're doing this wrong. You need to stop doing this. And it's simply a symptom. And it's never going to change anything long-term for them. Um, one of the cool things about being a Christ follower is that when Jesus left the earth, he left us here to be his hands and his feet. And by being his feet, that means we get to walk out among people that, that need to meet Jesus. We get to go to places where people are lost and, and they're dying and they need Jesus. And by getting to be his hands, that doesn't mean that we get to point at people and say, you're not doing this the way I know you should. But we get to have a chance to come up along somebody and put your arm around them and say, you're making poor choices. I'm not going to deal with that. What we need to deal with right now is your heart. You're making poor choices because you're chasing to fill a hole that you have with everything in the world except for the one thing that will fill it. And the one thing that's going to bring you peace and bring you joy and bring you contentment is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you want me to help you through this situation, that's the answer I have. But if your friend doesn't want that answer, then you really don't have an answer for them. Because to ask sinners to live like Christians just doesn't make sense. They're sinners. That's what they do. They sin. They make poor choices. They're selfish. They're self-destructive. That's what sin is. When I was a sinner, I was a really good one. I was an overachiever. Some of you are going to get that in a minute. Um, when I sinned, I sinned well, and there was, that's what I was supposed to do. I was trying to fill a hole in my heart with all the wrong things. And it worked sometimes for a night, and it worked sometimes for a week, and sometimes I even felt good for a month. But if you've been there, you know that feeling of waking up one morning, and you're all alone. And you're not just alone, but you're alone. And you've got shame in your heart. And you just, shame and disappointment with yourself. And you know that where you're going isn't taking you anywhere that long term is going to give you any peace or joy. And that's where we find this woman. She's there. And it's all gone wrong. And there's a group of people standing around her who have a choice to make. Do we do what we have the right to do? Or we do what God has given us the ability to do? And God's given us the ability to love. Everybody say love. I mean, really say love. Guys, you're going to come in contact with somebody today, tomorrow, this week, this next month. 
and they don't need you to spell out every bad choice they've made in their life. They already know. This woman knew. She knew how she got there. She didn't need anyone to stand there and tell her every bad thing she'd done. She needed someone to love her. And then after you love them, then you have the right, then you have the ability, you've earned the relational collateral to then explain to them, you're making some bad choices. What you're doing is selfish and it's leading you to a really bad place. And in that relationship with God, God's going to convict you and God's going to help you see which are good choices and which are bad choices. And when you're in relationship with somebody, you chase, you chase after pleasing them. And so when you start a relationship with God, you're going to chase after pleasing Him. Not because there are rules, not because someone told you there's a book full of ten things you have to do or don't do, but because you love Him, because you feel loved. And when you love somebody, you want to make them happy. And that's what changes lives, guys. And that is what, as Christians, we are called to do. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that the lives around us can be changed. Um, my big idea today, and I know it's, a, it's out of order for the guys in the back, and that's okay. Big idea today is if we could fix ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. But guys, I want to flip that around for those of us that are Christ followers. If you could fix the people around you, they wouldn't need Jesus. They would just need you. There's nothing I'm going to say up here today that's going to fix anybody here. And there's nothing you're going to say to your friends that's going to fix anything in their lives. What's going to change people's lives is Jesus. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. If you hear nothing else this morning, it's Jesus. Jesus changes lives. And what's so incredible is we get to be a part of that. God lets us have some small part in introducing people to him and how he changes our lives and how he interacts in our lives. Um, I had a friend, it's probably been five or six years ago that we worked in the same building and one night about two o'clock he came to me and um, we were both working late and we stood out in the hallway and I remember he'd completely wrecked his marriage. Um, and he was just at rock bottom. He was a lot like the woman in this story. And um, I listened to him for about 30 minutes and I remember just as clear as anything the Holy Spirit just kind of convicting me and um, I just remember turning to him and saying, hey man, um, for as much as you don't know this, I've been in a real similar place years ago. Uh, I made some bad choices and I wrecked my life and I couldn't fix it. Just the reality of it. I said, I would love to talk to you about where you are right now. I said, but I just need you to know that any answer I have involves Jesus. And so I'll sit here all night long and I'll talk to you as long as you're willing to hear answers that involve Jesus. But if you're not, that's okay. I'll just sit here and listen all night. Because I don't have any answers. I can tell you how to wreck your marriage. I can tell you how to wreck your relationships. I can tell you how to destroy your life. But I can't tell you how to fix it. But I can tell you how Jesus will fix it. And so I had the ability at that moment to take my rock and hit him with it. Or I had the ability to put my rock down and say, Jesus is standing right there, scribbling in the sand. And he wants nothing more to tell you that he loves you, and he doesn't condemn you, and that from this point forward, he'll tell you how to move forward with your life. And as much as I didn't realize it that night, that was the night he accepted Christ. And years later, as we've talked, every time I talk to him, he tells me, 
dude, I thank you so much for just loving me enough that night to do what was hard. You could have told me what I was doing was right and my marriage was over and I should just move on. You could have sat there and pointed your finger at me and told me everything I'd done wrong and how big an idiot I was. But you chose to do the hard thing and you chose to put yourself out there and you chose to tell me that Jesus loved me. And so guys, for those of you here today who are Christ followers, my prayer for you that over the next week, month, year, is that as God puts those people in front of you, that you not do what you have the right to do, but you do what you have the ability to do. All right? Guys, I would like to move to the second person in our story, and that's the woman laying on the ground. And for most biblical scholars, I'll tell you that they'd caught her in the act of adultery, and she was laying there probably naked and ashamed, and she, and she knew what was about to happen. And I want us to view the video from my song for this week through the eyes of her. I want you to view it through her lens. Go ahead, David. So I picked a nice, quiet love song, something real subtle. It's a great song, guys. That's uh, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Um, and quite honestly, I think the woman in our story could have written that song. Um, we're going to go through the lyrics in a minute just because I think they're so powerful. And I really do think that for a lot of us, that's our song, um, that we needed to be brought to life. I can tell you, first service, um, and I've watched this video a bunch. Uh, Josh Woodleaf, our worship pastor, put that together for me. And uh, I watched it probably four or five times last night and a couple times this morning. And I thought it was great, and he did it well. But I can tell you, I was standing up here first service this morning. And I'm going to do this this time without crying, I'm fairly certain. Um, there's the scene where the woman is down uh, on the steps, and she knows what's coming. They're standing there with the rocks. I may have lied about the crying thing. Um, and she looks up, and everybody's walking off. And some of you need that moment. I can tell you when I had that moment. It was a Mother's Day, 1990. So yeah, I'm old. And uh, I had gone to church uh, that morning with my parents, and I was running from God. And much like the woman in our story, about every self-destructive behavior you could chase after, I was chasing after. And I was at rock bottom. I knew where I was in relationship to God. And I went to church that morning, and... Um, I don't think I've even told my parents this, and they're here today. I'd grown up around church, so I thought to get saved, I had to walk an aisle, I had to talk to a pastor, I had to fill out a card. The only problem was we'd been out drinking all night the night before, and when I say all night, I think I'd slept like an hour. And I know I smelled like alcohol. In fact, I was probably still drunk, and I didn't want to embarrass my parents. And how could I possibly come to God that broken? because I needed to fix myself, I thought. And so I left there that morning not starting a relationship with God. The reality of was God was chasing me and he was standing there next to me and he was doodling in the sand. And all I had to do was just look up and accept him. And it's funny, I sobered up that afternoon and I went to church that night with my, wife, with my friend at the point. She became my wife. And I accepted Jesus that night still not having fixed myself just wasn't drunk at least I didn't smell of alcohol anymore 
And so for a lot of you, what I want you to hear and what I want you to see is that woman stood up and she looked down and she realized, I can't fix this, but he can. Some of you need to realize that this morning, that you're here today and you've made every bad choice you could possibly make. You've chased the self-destructive behavior. You don't know how to verbalize it, but you know you have this thing inside you that's open and you're some of you, you've chased drugs and alcohol and relationships and power and pornography and career and whatever it is for you. You've chased it and it's made you feel good for a minute and it's made you feel good for a day and you may have felt good for a week. But if you're honest with me and if you're honest with yourself, you have that morning and you have that night when you're so alone. You can be in a room full of people and you feel all alone. And the reason you're alone is because God created you to have a relationship with Him. And at the very core of who you are, you yearn for that relationship. And you can try to fill it with so many other things, and it's just not going to work. This woman knew exactly where she was. She didn't understand that she was just being used in a pawn in a game much bigger than her. But she knew what, what was about to happen. She knew that what started probably earlier as some small bad choices then turned into some bigger bad choices and at some point she had skewed her reality enough to think that what she was doing was okay until she found herself at a moment where everybody knew her sin and she laid there on the ground in front of a group of people about to kill her who had the right to do it. And Some of you are laying on the ground in front of Jesus and you know your choices have put you at a place where you're about to die. Maybe not literally you know you're only a few choices away from feeling like you've gone too far. And because grace exists, that thing we talked about earlier, not getting what you deserve, because grace exists, this woman looked up and saw her condemners walking away. And she saw Jesus standing there. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Jesus dealt with her sin, but he didn't deal with her symptoms until he dealt with her heart. And for a lot of us right now, we need to deal with our heart. Um, I'm going to have David put the lyrics to the song on the screen. I'm just, we're just going to kind of roll through them. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. I want to be respectful of your time, but I really do think the woman in, this, in the video we just watched and the woman in our scripture could have written these lyrics. How can you see into my eyes like open doors? leading you down into my core where I've become so numb without a soul my spirit sleeping somewhere cold until you find it there and lead it back home you know for a lot of us you feel like no one could ever understand your pain no one could ever understand the loneliness you feel they don't understand how you got to where you are right now and what I want you to know was that God loved you so much that one of the reasons Jesus came to this earth and became a man and died was so that he could experience what you experience every day. So God just doesn't have a Bible answer. He just doesn't have a head answer. God has an answer founded in actually living through your experience. When Jesus was on the cross, one of the things I think we don't talk about enough and we don't understand was that what hurt so bad wasn't just the nails in his hands and his feet, and it wasn't the spear in his side, and it wasn't the fact that he could hardly breathe because he was hanging there. What hurt Jesus so bad was that God said, I can't even look at you anymore. And the reason God couldn't look at him anymore 
was because of your sin, and it was because of your bad choices, and because of your shame, and it was because of every dumb thing I've ever done. Because at that moment when Jesus was on the cross and we became the sacrifice for you and I, he had to take on all of our sin. He had to feel what you feel at that moment when you don't want anyone to know how you feel. And so when Jesus sits there and he scribbles in the sand, he's not doing it as someone who doesn't understand what you're going through. He's doing it as God-made man who took on everything you ever felt in regards to your sin. He took on all that shame. And so when, so when she writes the song and she talks about, you know, looking into my soul and understanding me, God can look into your soul and he can actually understand you. The reason God put that friend in my life that night was because I had walked through a similar situation. It was because I had done some of the same dumb things he had done. And I didn't stand there that night and quote scripture to him and tell him, God judges you for this and you should stop. And I didn't tell him, I read in a book one time, this may fix your marriage. What I told him was that Jesus is bigger than your situation. And that's what he needed to hear. And that's what God is there for you for. Because Jesus felt your situation. He felt your shame. He can be there in that way that's not just knowledge, but it's reality. Move into the chorus. Um, wake me up. Wake me up inside. I can't wake up. Wake me up inside. Save me. Call my name and save me from the dark. Wake me up. Bid my blood to run. I can't wake up. Before I come undone, save me. Save me from the nothing I've become. The woman in our story, like many of us, needs a savior. She needs the person who made her because he's the only one who can fix her. You need the person who made you because he's the only person who can fix you today. On our own, we can destroy everything we have. It's easy for us. It's our sin nature. Um, it's, it's what we do. Like I said, when I was a sinner, I was a good one. I was an overachiever. It's what sin does. It destroys your life. What's so cool is that when you start a relationship with God, it doesn't make all the sin go away and it doesn't make the urges go away. But it means there's someone with you, living in you, who's going to help you walk through those situations. I'm not going to tell you today that life will get easy. Because that would be a lie and that would be feel-good Christianity and I'm just not going to do that to you. When I started a relationship with God, I had to struggle with all those things I'd been doing. But I didn't struggle with it alone. I had to change some of my friendships. As much as I didn't want to and as much as I tried to hold on to them, God moved me in a different direction. And you know what? It was okay because I was never alone anymore. I'd been in a room full of 30, 40, 50 people and felt all alone. And at that point, I could be all alone and never feel alone again. Verse 2, now that I know uh, what I am without, you can't just leave me. Breathe into me and make me real. Make me real. Bring me to life. What if the world right now could see inside you? What if, um, what if every bad thought that's ever gone through your head, the person beside you got to see? What if that worst thing that you're capable of was out there for the world to know? Do you think the person next to you, do you think the world would still love you? 
I would hope if it's a Christian they would, but I can tell you who will still love you. God will still love you. Because in reality, God knows that worst thought you've had. God knows just how capable you are of being evil. Not what everybody has seen, but what happens in here. God knows just how bad you can be, and knowing that, He still chose to love you, and He still chooses to love you. And He's going to love you tomorrow when you have that next bad thought. And He's going to love you tomorrow when you do that next bad thing. He's still going to love you. Because that's what He does. And when you accept His love, He'll deal with your actions. But right now, He just wants to deal with where you are. We'll skip through the next chorus. Verse 3, frozen inside without your touch, without your love. Darling, only you are the life among the dead. All this time, I can't believe I couldn't see. Kept in the dark, but you were there in front of me. I've been sleeping a thousand years, it seems. Got to open my eyes to everything without a thought, without a voice, without a soul. Don't let me die here. There must be something more. Bring me to life. You've been searching for contentment, for joy. A lot of you have been chasing happiness. You know, happiness gets you in a lot of trouble because happiness is all about your happenings. You're only happy when the things are good immediately in front of you. God gives you joy and God gives you peace and those are the things that no matter what's going on around you, no matter what the storm and the chaos and the bad things in your life, those stay with you. And Jesus has been right there, like I said, doodling in the sand, right there next to you. The whole time you've been making these bad choices, the whole time you've been feeling alone, and it was just a matter of you looking up and realizing that you're not alone, realizing that he's right there waiting for you. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to change anything. You just have to step to him. Because the reality of grace is that if you were good enough to earn forgiveness, we wouldn't need grace. And that if you could make so many bad choices that God wouldn't still love you, we wouldn't have grace. Grace means that it's not about what you do. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how bad you are. It's about you stepping to the God who's been waiting there for you the whole time and Him loving you and accepting you right where you are. That's what grace is. When Jesus had the, ch the, the chance, when He had the right to stone this woman, he also had the ability to love and show grace. And today you have the ability to accept love and grace. And yes, God's going to deal with the things that are going on in your life. And yes, God's going to deal with the sin in your life. But he's going to deal with that after he shows you that he loves you and he accepts you right where you are today. Don't let me die here. There must be something more. Bring me to life. I think there's probably two lines in this song that if you were to really ask the woman who was laying there on the ground, and if I was to ask many of you, and if I was to be real of where I was that night that I finally accepted Jesus, these are the lines of the song that just ate me alive. Don't let me die here. Because in reality, if you're honest with yourself, that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that's where you're moving. We're not standing here with stones around you, but I guarantee you, you're moving in a direction going to cause you to die forever don't let me die here there must be something more bring me to life and I've been living a lie there's nothing inside bring me to life 
When I was that overachieving sinner, I was the life of the party. I was popular. Dated everybody I wanted to date, went every party I wanted to go. I mean, it just, life looked good from the outside. But I was living a lie. I was empty on the inside. And it wasn't anything I did. And it wasn't because I changed, because Lord knows I didn't change before I met Jesus. I wasn't good enough and I wasn't bad enough. I was just loved enough to meet Jesus. That's what I want you to hear today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have to make four or five steps before you can meet Jesus. You just have to make one. And that's just the one where like the lady in our video, you just look up and you say yes. Yes, I know it's going to be hard. Yes, I know it's going to change some things. Yes, I know some people are going to talk about me. But they're not going to do it to a person who's standing here alone. And they're not going to be doing it to a person whose soul is in chaos. Jesus will bring you to life. And a life that I can't even make you understand until you're there. I, I can't begin to make you understand the contentment and the peace and the hope that you have to replace the chaos and the hurt and the anger that you're currently feeling. So as I wrap this up today, I want to go back and talk to our two different groups. If you're a Christ follower today, I want you to know that Jesus doesn't need you to point fingers. He's got a Holy Spirit that does that in people's lives. And I know that's a tough kind of, it's a tough line to, to walk. I mean, I understand. You know, this whole idea of love the sinner, not the sin. I mean, I, I know this isn't easy. And I'm not telling you to tell people that when they do bad things that you tell them they're okay. I understand this is hard. But what I'm telling you is I need just your prayer every day be God put someone in my life that I can love. That I can love, that I can love, that I can love. And when I love them, I don't want them to see me, I want them to see Jesus. But guys, you're going to have to be willing to then love. And you're going to have to let the Holy Spirit be what speaks through you. And that means you're going to have to have a relationship with God. Not just to show up on Sunday morning and leave, but a relationship where you and God talk every day. Because through building that relationship, you become more and more and more like Him. And when you become more and more and more like Him, loving becomes easier. Because love is what He does. Judging and condemning and pushing people down so that it raises us up is what we do. It's natural. It's, it's, it's a self. It's just it's what self means. Self is making me look good and making you look bad. And so when you make a poor choice, if I can show everybody, it makes me look good. That's not what God called us to do. God called us to be small. God called us to be the least among everybody. And that means I'm going to lift other people up. So I'm going to love. I'm going to love. I'm going to love. Guys, that's my prayer for you today here. If you are a Christ follower, that you would desire that. And when I say desire that, I want you to desire to see life change in people like you desire air. Like you desire water. I want it to burn inside you. Right now, there's someone in your life that you know that needs to be loved on. They've got self-destructive behavior. They're running away from God. Their bad choices are taking them to bad places. And it would be so easy for you to just sit there and say, your choices, your choices, your choices. 
Guys, the choice you need to show them is Jesus. And then let Jesus deal with the bad things they're doing in their life. So that's my prayer for you today, is that God begins to make you have a desire that you don't understand, that you don't want, and it's going to make you love people till it hurts, until it's dangerous, until you're just nuts. And guys, if you're here today, and you're like the woman laying here on the ground, and it's all gone so terribly, terribly wrong, I want you to hear our big idea today. If we could fix ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. You don't have to fix yourself. I talk to people all the time who are hurting and in pain and there's chaos in their lives. And I say, I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. I'd love to invite you to my church or any church. And they say, yeah, I'd love to do that. Just as soon as I stop doing this, I feel like I'm, I'll be, I, I can go back to church when I stop this. I'll give that whole God thing a shot when I quit doing this. Just let me get this relationship right, and then I'll think about that. You can't fix yourself. You don't go out and work in your yard and fix your car and then take it to the mechanic the next day and pay him for what you already did. You don't get over a cold and then go see the doctor and go, hey doctor, I had a cold last week. Because it doesn't make sense. You don't fix yourself and then come to God. You don't have the capacity to fix yourself. You're a sinner. Sinners sin. If you want to see yourself fixed, if you want to feel like you're right with God, accept Him. That's all you have to do. What's going to happen in a minute? This band's going to come out and we're going to do offering and there's going to be one more song. Um, and there's going to be a couple, so there's going to be some men and women in the back corners of the room. Um, because if you're in one of those places today and you need to talk with someone and you need to pray with someone, I'm not going to have you walk an aisle and fill out a card and spend three seconds dealing with the most important decision you're ever going to make. I want you to go back. I want you to talk to someone who's willing to love you. And there's some people in this room who want to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I'm not going to guarantee you that they have the answer to every question you have. I can tell you that they'll love you. And then if you've got questions they can't deal with, we'll get a staff guy to you. We'll, we'll schedule an appointment. We'll do whatever we've got to do. We'll get your questions answered. But today, there's someone back there willing to love on you and maybe help you make that step to where Jesus is doodling in the sand. But guys, let's pray. Dear God, you are a God of grace. You are a God bigger than our situations. Dear God, if we could make ourselves right, we wouldn't need you. But what I love about you, God, is that when I found rock bottom, you were there. And you weren't there to condemn me, you weren't there to judge me, you were there to love me. And that God, together with your Holy Spirit, I began to see how to please you and have to chase after you. So God, if there are people in this room today, and I know there are that don't know you, don't have a relationship with you, that God, that as I've spoke today, I pray that your Holy Spirit has been working, and that God, you have just shown them what that thing is inside them, that hole they've been trying to fill up. And God, that for those of us that are here today, who are already Christ followers, that God, that you would begin to make your love so real in us, that people don't understand why we're so different. That people are attracted to us 
because of how we treat people. And that, God, we really would have the ability to be your hands and feet. And that, God, we can't fix people. Only you can. Ask all these things in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen.